0: Hello, (laughs) Um, please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. Is everyone there? (laughs) So Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For those of you that didn't have a clue who that was, and you thought I just got a bit younger, that was um, our wonderful daughter, Abby. And she's just home from uni, so I thought I'd put her to work. Um to earn her keep somehow and um, for those of you who also don't know me I'm Viv and together with Steve we have the absolute privilege of leading Vineyard 61 church. We are a multi-site church so that means we have um, three sites and we are one church so just a big hello to Battersea and Westside this morning and um, everybody in the room here at Ballam as well. Um, We had an interlude in our series on the Kingdom of God last week where we had something called City Sunday and it was just so um, good to hear the stories of all the different projects and things that everyone was involved with. Um, One of the things that Steve and I have always been passionate about is just seeing the church get out of the building. And actually serve our community. And, and just if you're new to this church or if you're considering like hitching your boat to this church, then um, we you will notice that we just lean heavily into that. Like how can we actually be good news practically to our communities? This is a vineyard church. don't know whether you knew that. um, There are around 120 vineyard churches in the UK and Ireland. There are about 1,500 across the world. And one of the things that the vineyard is known for is their theology and practice of the kingdom of God. And that's just not just the theory, but it's like how do we outwork the kingdom of God as well. And I wonder what it is that comes to your mind when you hear the phrase the kingdom of God. If this is language that's really familiar to you, if kingdom theology is like in your veins, then I just pray that this will be a refreshment for you, Um, you know, that this story that we just find ourselves caught up in. But if you're a little bit unfamiliar with it, if you kind of like heard of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, but I'm not quite sure what that means like today, then you're in really good company with me. I grew up in, a Christ, in the Christian world. I grew up in a Christian family. I'd been to church my whole life. Um, and I had tons of scripture in me. I knew loads of the stories of the Bible, kind of inside and out. And I, heard, I had a lot of like true things floating around. Um, but a, a kind of a bit like a, a patchwork of Christian things. But what happened when I heard the message of the kingdom of God, it was like God took this thread and sewed all these patches together. And it all comes to this story, this message that Jesus preached to the kingdom of God. Not only did my own lived experience sort of make sense of what I believe to be true, but this message, uh, you, 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 you see the longings of this world. Like everywhere you go, you see people are longing for justice. They're longing for things to be made right. They're looking for goodness, aren't they? They're looking for beauty. People want restoration, And all of that kind of finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And so what is the kingdom of God? I hear you say. The kingdom of God is God's dynamic rule and reign on the earth. It's the earth as God would have it. Maybe just turn to your neighbor. Just say, it's the earth as God would have it. When you're at Westside, Battersea, it's the earth as God would have it. So the kingdom of the kingdom is the return of God's rule and reign back into our space. And why do I say return? Well let's just look back to the creation narrative for a bit. When we look at the story in Genesis what we find is that the world was created for good and then there's this story of this crafty serpent that came and introduced sin through Adam and Eve. And when that happened sin entered the world. I don't know if you've ever accidentally left a red sock in the washing machine when you've then put all your whites in. It's basically everything turns out pink, doesn't it? It's so annoying. But that's just a simple analogy of what happened when sin entered the world. It just tainted everything. And when that happened, a counterfeit kingdom was set up. The kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world is the language that scripture uses to describe it. And what we know to be true is, is there's this realm described in Scripture called heaven. And that's God's realm. And in heaven, God's will is done perfectly. There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no death, there's no destruction. But, and, and there's like nothing that distorts God's perfect um, heart for creation. And one, I think what we sometimes end up thinking is that the Christian claim is to get us out of the mess that we're in, and get us into heaven. Don't know whether anybody kind of, uh, has grown up thinking that. This was certainly my understanding growing up. I kind of thought that it was about getting your ticket to heaven. Um, I remember being really scared that if I got run over by a bus, and I don't know whether it, why it was a bus, it was always a bus in my imagination, not that you know there was particularly many buses in Orpington, but I would die and not go to heaven. And that was honestly one of my primary motivators in inviting Jesus into my life. But the story that Jesus came announcing was totally different. That expectation was a little bit similar even to what the Jewish people were expecting and longing for. This framework of the kingdom of God that was familiar to them. They were waiting on a chosen Messiah to come and bring God's rule and reign into the earth. But they weren't expecting it to happen like it did. They weren't expecting Jesus to come as a baby. They weren't expecting him just to, they were expecting him to like announce and come and triumphantly bring his rule and reign like a military coup into the earth. Instead of gathering us all up and just taking us to heaven. It just didn't happen like that. But what happened with Jesus is he came by self-sacrificial love, giving his life to be killed on a cross. And what we saw in the life of Jesus leading up to that point is he came announcing the kingdom of God, um, proclaiming that it was here, but he also came demonstrating the kingdom of God. And that's what all those miracles were, all those signs and wonders. He turned the water into wine. He healed sick bodies. He was actually just showing us what the kingdom of God was like. It wasn't some fancy show that he was doing. He was bringing the reality of the kingdom to bear on a sick world. After my upbringing, which heavily emphasized that it was about getting to heaven, fast forward a number of years, I then realized that the Holy Spirit was real. He was active. He was alive. He was healing. I had this kind of swing to like, wow, the kingdom is now. It's now. And I realized that God heals now and that sickness can go now and disease can go away now. And I had a bit of a pendulum swing. Um, where I would be declaring and proclaiming this, and probably with a bit of a lack of sensitivity to the reality of suffering and pain, if I'm totally honest. I probably went slightly more name it and claim it. But we did see miracles. You know, we did see, I remember Steve and I praying for a lady with stage four cancer, and it completely disappeared. Completely disappeared we did see and we continue to see glimpses of the kingdom, of the reality of the kingdom of God. But the problem is that what you and I know to be true is that there's so much darkness around it, not there? There's so much pain, there's so much suffering, and no amount of naming and claiming quite makes it go away. And this gets at the tension of the kingdom of God, the already and the not yet, which Karen talked about two weeks ago. With the first coming of Jesus, we have its introduction And with the second coming of Jesus, when Jesus comes again, we have its culmination. And so we live between the times. It's here. We live in the presence of the future, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is with us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is in us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is upon us, but it's not yet complete. The kingdom is moving among us, but it's not complete yet. But when healing doesn't happen, when we're faced with awful realities in this world, we can actually make a little bit more sense with this framework. We know that the kingdom isn't yet here in full. So we keep praying and we keep asking for the kingdom to be made known here and now. We pray for sickness and disease to leave. We partner with God in bringing God's kingdom here. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen both of these at work. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were at Healing on the Streets, prayed for this Muslim man who absolutely got his back completely healed when we prayed for him. He's just trying to work out how on earth that happened. And I remember I remember somebody praying for... I had a tennis elbow a few years ago, and it was just annoying. And somebody prayed for it, completely went straight away, never had a problem since. But I also know that I've prayed for... Um, I have prayed for a really good friend of mine and she, I sat by her bedside as um, cancer just took her life, the evil disease of cancer. I know the, the reality. Steve had um, COVID a couple of years ago and he's he was seriously, seriously ill and he's not yet fully healed. And I know too many of your stories across the sites, too many of your stories to know that life doesn't always work out well. There's so much pain and unanswered questions in the middle of all of our lives. Every single one of us, I'm sure, can testify to the painful reality that being a Christian doesn't mean that life is all about unicorns and miracles and blessings. And God meets us in these times as well. Some, probably some of the most painful times of my life when, I, when I've experienced the presence of God more tangibly than at any other time. He doesn't leave us on, his, on our own. When it seems like the kingdom hasn't broken through, God is with us 100% of the time. But these tensions are real. The rule and the reign of God, the kingdom of heaven has broken through in the person and the power of Jesus. Jesus but we won't know the fullness of the kingdom until Jesus comes back. But we still pray as Jesus commanded us. As Abby, as Abby read beautifully earlier, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. On earth as in heaven. And his will is that it's like heaven on earth. And we get to partner with him in making that a reality. But we hold in tension this mystery that there's still a, a, a kingdom of darkness to fully retreat. I'm sure many of you will be uh, familiar with the difference between D-Day and V-E-Day. Obviously, all great war historians here in this church. I'm not a great war historian, but um, June the 6th, 1944 is known as D-Day. It's the day that the Allies established a beachhead in Normandy. And uh, looking back in history, war historians say that at that point, when D-Day was successful, the Allies won the war. The moment they established a beachhead on the European mainland. So the Allies won the war, in principle, on D-Day. June the 6th, 1944. But the Allies' victory was not fully realised until VE Day. And VE stands for Victory in Europe. Didn't know you were going to get a history lesson this morning. (laughs) But that took place 11 months later, 11 months after D-Day, on on May the 8th, 1945. So on D-Day, the defeat of the Nazis was a foregone conclusion. On D-Day, the war was over, in principle. But there was a lot of fighting between D-Day and VE Day. There was tons of bloodshed before the actual surrender of the Nazis. In fact, some of the bloodiest battles of World War II occurred between D-Day and VE Day. The Nazis were a defeated enemy, but they weren't going down without a fight. They fought fiercely, but they fought a losing battle. You and I are living between D-Day, God's D-Day and his VE Day. In between Jesus's death and resurrection and the second coming of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead, that was God's D-Day. And when the second coming of Christ happens, that will be God's V E Day. So we are living in the time between the times. Because of D-Day, Satan is a defeated enemy. Paul writes in Colossians 2:15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So because of God's D-Day, Satan is a defeated enemy. We know that. Jesus won the victory. But just like the Nazis, the devil is not raising the white flag of surrender just yet. One day in the future, Satan will be completely destroyed. One day, Satan will no longer be the ruler of this world. And yet he is still ruling it. John writes this about 20 years after the cross and the empty tomb. He writes this in 1 John 5. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That was after Jesus' death and resurrection. Satan is still the one that is ruling planet Earth. There's a brilliant quote in Mere Christianity. Um, C.S. Lewis writes, One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talked about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was behind death and disease and sin. The universe is at war, and we are living in part of the universe that's occupied by the rebel, Enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. So one day Satan will be destroyed. God's D-Day ensured this victory, but we are living between D-Day and V-E-Day, in the equivalent of of war-torn France in the height of World War II. So Satan is a defeated enemy, but he's not going down without a fight. And this is what we mean when we talk about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Jesus has won the victory on the cross, the kingdom has broken in, and we get to partner with God in bringing bringing heaven to earth, bringing his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. But it won't reach its fullness until Jesus comes again. Today, I don't know whether you um, know what day it is today. Today is Palm Sunday, and it's the beginning of Holy Week in the church's calendar, This is D-Day in the kingdom of God. This is a reminder of D-Day in the kingdom of God, where Jesus took ground against the enemy and secured the victory. And today on Palm Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem triumphantly, triumphantly riding on a donkey as the humble king of peace. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, they just shouted out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they were proclaiming him as, him as king. They were pro- proclaiming this king of the kingdom that had come. And yet some of the very same people that were cheering him on just a few days later had him killed. And you know the really strange thing is, is that Jesus let, him kill th- let them kill him. Which is a really weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. Jesus saw the sin and the destruction of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and the devastation of our whole world. And so how was God going to bring his rule over, over this world? Jesus believed that it would be through a sacrificial love for his enemies. That was how he did it, not how they were expecting him to do it. And this is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is is depicted as his enthronement, as the king of the Jews. He receives a crown, he receives a royal robe, and he's exalted up, not on a throne, but on a cross. John 19, verses 1 to 6, it says... When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. The people who were expecting a messianic king must have been so confused. Their hopes were crushed. Their dreams like, abandoned. This was not what they were expecting. Their king had a royal robe on him, but he was dead. This king, who they thought was going to deliver them from the Romans, had been brutally killed in front of them. And I just think this is the, there's, there's times in all of our lives we will probably feel like this. You know, I feel like there are people here today who are so disappointed with how life has turned out. Your hopes and your dreams may not have come to pass like you were expecting them to. And it's just made you question, you know, is God really God? Is he really good? And I want to give you hope again this morning. This wasn't the end of the story. And this isn't the end of your story. This whole week coming up is the crux of our whole faith. If Jesus didn't die for us and rise again, then we may as well go home. So the reminder of D-Day is happening again this week. Jesus defeated death. He went down to the depths of hell and he won the eternal victory over Satan. We have been totally forgiven, totally forgiven. Death has been conquered. Sickness has been paid for. Jesus does have the victory. He took on our shame. He gave us freedom. You know, it says, by his stripes we are healed. By his blood we're set free. We're totally forgiven. What an incredible exchange! His kingdom has broken through. The reality is that we all have to still live in these in between times until Jesus returns. Things won't necessarily always look like kingdom, heaven on earth. There will still be pain, there'll be suffering, and things not turning out the way we want them to be. Just as I come down to land, there are four things that I want you to remember today. They don't begin with the same letter. Um, Number one, he's always with us. He's always with us. And maybe today in the middle of your suffering and your pain, you can invite the God who stepped down to earth to come and be with you in your pain today. He sees what you're going through and you are not alone. That is an absolute promise. Number two, we're in a battle. We forget this. He has defeated death, but we're living in these in-between times. And we need to remember that we have an enemy wants to steal kill and destroy third one the kingdom of heaven has broken through signs wonders miracles happen today and God is longing for us to partner with him come to come with us on healing on the streets come and pray for people out on the streets God is longing to break in today and lastly VE day is coming Jesus is coming back he will make everything new and there will one day be no more tears or pain or suffering. I wonder if I can just ask the bands to come up at Westside and Battersea, to sea and here in Balaam. Maybe you've not invited Jesus to be king of your life before. Maybe he's just a bit of an add-on to your life, a bit of an insurance policy to ensure your final destination. A bit like I was growing up. You're looking for your ticket to heaven, but you haven't necessarily made him king. Or maybe you've just become jaded and disappointed over the years when things haven't worked out the way that you thought they would. Can I just invite you to, um, I guess, step into the reality of Holy Week this week. Journey with Jesus' disciples. Just to put yourself in their shoes as they journeyed, you know, the arrival of this king the huge celebrations and then they watched as their king was arrested and then killed just imagine what it would have been like for them after he died that all of their hopes just completely gone and I just feel there's an invitation here this morning to just bring your questions bring your disappointments and dare to hope again There's so much mystery as we sit in this tension of the now and the not yet yet of the kingdom. But the kingdom has broken through and he wants to partner with him in seeing his kingdom on earth. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.